Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. I'm Charles, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Joe. Hello there, Charles. So, Joe, it's game week. I, I got really sad last week, didn't I? Because I, I got a little bit ahead of myself, and I was like, why aren't we talking about the Rams this week? Why aren't we talking about the Bills? And you were like, uh, yeah. one more week <laughs> left, mate. Chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like celebrating Christmas a week early, but here we are. It is actually game week now. We have our first game Thursday night, and what an absolute barnstormer it is uh, for a first game of a season. Yeah, fingers crossed, because you always want the first game to be big. Thursday night football sometimes has that curse that it's a bit of a flop for whatever weird reason. Um, But these are two big teams that uh, both have quite a bit to prove in week one. So I I think it will certainly be an interesting watch. Well, absolutely, Charles. It's it's last year's champs versus this year's bookies' favourites. Do you have a predo for it? Watch us long. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I, I think we're not trying to overdo it with predos this season. It's a new season. It's right at the beginning. As we say a million times, camp really tells you very little. It's not until Nothing. the kickoff that, Nothing. Yeah, that it all comes together. So... Without saying how I see it going, the the one thing that I would say is Rams, obviously Super Bowl winners last year. It is a little bit of a different team from the one that we saw them win the Super Bowl. I mean, you've got no Odell Beckham Jr. You've got Stafford with a dodgy elbow. You've lost Whitworth. It, these are really quite... But you have got Alan Robinson now. You have got a healthy Cam Akers. There's, yeah. There's swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. There are indeed. I I think it will be interesting to see how Stafford plays week one. They've kind of talked down this elbow injury of his and they've they've played it off as, do you know what, I'm a soldier, I play through it. But as we have seen from many seasons before, once you get to the other side of the season and you're questioning why certain players didn't perform as well as you thought they might, it inevitably ends up being, oh yeah, by the way, I was carrying this all throughout the season. And I just wonder whether that is going to be a constant niggling problem for Stafford and whether we'll see any form of decline or regression from him. Interesting. But the Bills, Joe, what are your thoughts on them? Because obviously, as we mentioned, Bookie's favourites, there's a lot of hype around this team. Are you buying into it or do you think there are some deficiencies there that might trip them up? You know what I'm like? I I, I never really buy into the hype, even when the hype is overwhelming. Uh, like I didn't buy into the Bucks when they won Super Bowl. Uh, I didn't buy into the Rams last year. I said it was all hype. So generally, if I say that, don't listen to the hype, you probably should. But with that said... <laughs> With that said, I, I like this Bills team. Don't be me wrong. I think it is a stacked team. They've got a lot of talent in there. I think the things which people are focusing on aren't perhaps the things they should be focusing on, though. There's a lot of attention being placed on Von Miller, as if Von Miller is the missing piece to the puzzle and that he's going to take the D to the next level. This D, let's not forget, was probably the best defence in the league last season. They gave away the fewest yards in the whole of the NFL last season. This defence was a good defence. I'm not sold on Von Miller, though. I'm, I'm just not sure if, if Von Miller is this great piece that everyone's talking about. Um, do you have an opinion, Jazz? Do you think that Von Miller is still a game-changer? Or do you think that he's more of a name, which is where I'm leaning right now? I think the difficult thing with this is, as you point out, they are quite a stacked team. So I think it's difficult to, to bring in anyone at this stage and say they transform the team because they 
were a very good team last season. I believe they'll be a very good team this season. Does Von Miller help them? Yeah, I think he's definitely a good addition. Does he supercharge them? I'm not sure that any player can really do that for this Bills team unless you're bringing in an absolute superstar, which I think, you know, Von Miller, he has had a very successful career. Is he still in his prime? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I think he makes the Bills a better team. I don't think he, you know, makes them an incredible team. I've got two words for you, sucker. Production and position. And I think we mentioned this about Von Miller last year, that having been in Denver for most of his career, he'd basically been been playing in 3-4 sets, and he'd been playing either left outside linebacker or right outside linebacker, an edge rusher though. When he went to the Rams last season, he was playing defensive end a little bit. And uh, production-wise, the last couple of seasons, I mean, you go to peak Von Miller. I mean, peak Von Miller in 2012, when he had his season with 18.5 sacks. We're not expecting that again. But, you know, kind of... Good Von Miller from, say, 2014 to 2018. He was seeing about 14 sacks a season. Now, he's had 14 sacks since 2019. So, production-wise, he's not been terrible, but it's kind of, what have you done for me lately? And I'm not sure if he's still that kind of game-changer, game-wrecker that a lot of people have in mind when they think Von Miller. He's been around the league a long time. He's had a lot of injuries. Wasn't involved at all in 2020. And in 21, well, I think he had a total of nine and a half sacks, which is which is good. But his players getting cut from rosters out there who have nine and a half sacks in the 2021 season. So production-wise, I'm not sold. Position-wise, I'm sure he can fit in. He's had that season playing in a 4-3 with the Rams. And I think he will have to play the defensive end. Uh, he's an edge rusher. He's not the type of linebacker that you're going to probably want in a 4-3 system. But yeah, I'm not sold on Von Miller as being this place to be transcendental in changing the Bills' defense. What I have concerns over, now that's just, you know, what can make things better. What I have concerns over is no Tredavious White for the first, I think it's four games of a season, which is the pup rules. ACL tear in the Thanksgiving game last season obviously out the rest of the season after that. Team put him on the uh, physically unable to perform list, so he's out for the first four games of the season. Now, the Bills have arguably one of the best safety tandems in Poyer and Hyde. Uh, you know, great free safety and strong safety there. Uh, past that, Tredavis White was basically their cornerback, and it's not much depth beyond that. You look at their two starters, and... I'd be thinking that Cooper Cup and Robinson will probably be thinking that they can make some hay here. I think it's going to be very, very interesting how the Bills kind of go out here. I think we're going to see lots of kind of cover two, lots of two deep safeties. And I think that the Bills may be playing a bend-don't-break defense where the cornerbacks aren't going to be playing too aggressive because they just don't have that talent to against Stafford and the Rams wide receivers. And I think they're going to just be giving up, you know, four yards here, six yards here, but giving up a lot of passes and just hoping they can get the stops we could see them double down gamble go aggressive but i think that's a high risk play when your cornerbacks are perhaps as susceptible as they are going to be against what is a very good passing team in los angeles rams i think that's a really good thing to point out and and i think fans need to bear this in mind when they see the start of the season Uh, if the bills don't start off too great defensively it can be easy to go oh this team is overhyped they're rubbish defensively they're not as good a team as they think they are they are likely to struggle defensively certainly until Tredavious White comes back and so I think there will be a bit of a kind of management 
that the Rams will have to do. I think the shape with which they start the season might not necessarily be the shape in which they end up. And there's probably likely to be some adjustment, you know, kind of five games in or even half a season in once Tredavis White comes back in in full force, assuming that he does recover fully from that ACL. Yeah, so all so all kind of signs from camp are that he's recovering well. Um, but you have to see a player on the field in the heat of the game really to know that for sure. Which is the other thing to pick up on this because I don't want to labour the point too much. If there was er- like one area of a Bills defence that perhaps wasn't as strong as the other areas last year, it was their run defence. Run defence wasn't terrible, wasn't bad, wasn't bottom 10. But their pass defence was spectacular with Tredavious White, with Poyer, with Hyde all on the field at the same time. With the perhaps added attention that they're going to have to give to the secondary with both safeties out there, perhaps bringing in a kind of nickelback playing five DBs. They may be taking a linebacker out and they may be, uh, there may be opportunities through the middle for the run game. So for fantasy heads out there, for people who follow that kind of thing, I wouldn't be looking too far past Cam Akers to perhaps have a big day because there could be space up the middle for him to be getting some big runs off. There we go. So let's go from the bookies' favourites to another one of the bookies' favourites that I know you wanted to talk about last week, Joe, but we ran out of time a little. So let's focus on the Bucks. The bookies' second favourites. Yeah, indeed. Bookies' second favourites after the Bills. And people have probably guessed why we're talking about this, Charles. I don't have them as my second favourites. I think there's a lot that's gone on with this team and not a lot of it is positive, if you catch my drift. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know that we chatted about the O-line and that's a big issue. Do you want to delve into that in a bit more detail? Yeah, so Charles, the concerns really are all around the offensive line. And I think that, you know, even casual followers of the Bucks will realise that there's something rotten in Denmark with us. Let's just break it down quickly. At the end of the season, back in March, Ali Marpet, a long-time right guard of the Bucks, retired. Um, since then, Ryan Jensen is on IR, their centre, and Aaron Stinney is on IR as well. So that's basically the middle of the line has just gone. Now, if we look at Brady historically, and you've got to be careful when you're saying Brady's not going to be able to do this or Brady's not going to do that. When Brady's been under pressure, when Brady's struggled in games, it's pressure through the middle, which is a, a prevalent factor which causes Brady to not perform at the level that he normally plays at. You're going with Luke Gadiki. Robert Hainsley and Shaq Mason. All right, Shaq Mason's a bit more established, but you're going with two, without being too offensive, almost no-name players and Shaq in the middle there. Donovan Smith as left tackle, you know, there's nothing wrong with him, but he's not elite. You're going from what was a, a positioned group of strength, of great strength when we won Super Bowl a couple of years back, to now really only having Tristan Wirfs as your elite player in that line. This team plays a lot of a lot of verticals, a lot of plays that require time for the play to open up. When you're playing verticals, you need to drop back and allow the wide receivers to find space down the field. To do that, you need to have an offensive line that's going to keep the enemy at the gate and allow the play to open up. And I'm not sure if this offensive line is going to do that. And I think that the way the Bucks have played and the success they've had, the way they've changed Brady to do these, you know, 40-yard down the field throws. He didn't really need to do it in New England, but it's worked for him at Tampa Bay. I'm not sure if that strategy is going to be what this team can do, given the tools they've got in the offensive line. And... When you're changing something as fundamental as that, I'm not sure if you should have them as a second favourite team to win Super Bowl. 
I'm still quite impressed by your Hamlet reference, Joe. There's something rotten in Denmark. It's thrown me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with what you're saying, man. And I think something that we've witnessed um, from Brady in this Bucks team is that he isn't a scrambler. Okay, that's not Brady's strength. We know that. I mean, he might have pulled off one or two of seasons past where people have gone, oh, that's not bad. But that, that's not his strength. When Brady plays, he likes to sit in the pocket and... If there are gaps in that kind of center position and people are able to break through the center, that is where Brady is most vulnerable. And we've seen. Then you don't have a pocket. Yeah, you don't have a pocket. You don't Absolutely have, you, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've yeah. seen in seasons past when you put Brady under pressure, that team can't move forward. And that is the risk with this team here. If they don't shore up that middle position in the O line, they could crumble. And shall I tell you what I think is another reason why the bookies have him as a favourite, but I think it's a reason which is flawed. I think there's an assumption that the NFC South is weaker than perhaps it is. I think the NFC South is going to be a really interesting division in the year ahead. You've got the Saints who... The Saints aren't all that bad. You've got Winston leading that team, but you've got some interesting draft picks. It looks like they've drafted well again. It looks like they're doing as best as they could expect to be doing without Drew Brees and Sean Payton. It's going to be a transitional year, but I don't think they're going to be a car wreck. They're not a team who's there to be going, you know, 2-15. and 15. They're going to have a few tough games in them. Then you've got the Panthers, who it's not just me who thinks this. There's a lot of analysts and pundits out there who have the Panthers as, you know, a sleeper team. One of those teams who've made a lot of good moves in the offseason, who have a lot of young defensive talent in that team. Looking through their positions, the Panthers don't look all that bad. And then the weakest team, the Falcons, and that's no offence to Falcons fans, let's just be real about it. The Falcons are probably the weakest team in the NFC South. They're almost a nothing-to-lose team they're still probably going to play really exciting football. When you've just got Marcus Mariota, at quarterback, scrambling around, nothing much to lose. Yeah, they'll probably lose a lot of games, but they'll probably put some big scores up against some teams as well. I think that watching the Falcons this year may not be enjoyable from a fan's perspective in terms of looking for Ws, but I think you're going to see some points on both sides of the ball there. So the NFC South isn't terrible, and I think that's part of this kind of factor of making the Bucks second favourites. But when you put in a division that's tougher than people think it's going to be, a very shaky offensive line, I mean, we could get it down into more things like, is the running back room strong enough? You know, is there enough strength in the secondary at the cornerback position? There's a few things there. I just don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be the favourite team from the NFC to go to Super Bowl. I think they're going to do worse than what we have down. Yeah, and of course, you know, we've just said camp doesn't show you anything, but not showing up to camp at all, that's a gamble. Well, do you remember what happened with the Green Bay Packers last year, Charles? <laughs> Vaguely, I have tried to block it from my memory, Joe. Week one uh, was not pretty after Aaron Rodgers didn't show up for camp all preseason. What was that score? Was it something like 38 Three or thirty-eight-seven, something like that. Green Bay got absolutely destroyed, and that that was by a not great Saints team as well. I think the Saints it was are by not great Saints team better yeah. this season. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But it just goes to show that yeah, sure, like you don't want to have your starters out in every preseason game. We know that, but I think you need starters around camp, especially quarterbacks. They need to be around the camp. They need to be involved. They need to be you know dealing with wide receivers with rookies getting into leading that team and Brady's been absent 
you know, I'm not going to write Brady off. I'm not going to say that he can't sit out camp. He knows what he's doing. But yeah, I've, I've got a lot of question marks about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. So how do you feel then, Joe, about the Steelers? Uh, because for me, that's a bit of a weird one. Last season, we didn't think the Steelers were going to be that great. They weren't that great, but they weren't horrendous. This season, they risk being even worse. But I don't know. There's something in me that just has too much respect for Tomlin as a coach. And I, ju- I just think he might find a way to coach them through it yet again. I'm not going to say they're going to be a massively winning team, but... I don't know. They might just bounce around that that kind of breaking even mark for me. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, first of all, I agree with you on Tomlin. I think that Tomlin is, for all the plaudits he gets, he's still one of the most underrated coaches in all of football. I mean, you know, when you look at what he's achieved with that team, what he took the team from, what he's worked with over the years, he very, very wrongly gets criticised for nonsense things, and he's a great coach. With that said, though, uh, this is probably the worst Steelers team that I can remember. It's definitely very much in the mould of rebuild. The only saving grace for the Steelers team is that last year they had three teams in their division which were contenders for a deep playoff run. I think this year the Browns have weakened, which will take the pressure off him a little bit. They could, you know, win games against the Browns. But beyond that, there's so many issues through this team, from quarterback through to the offensive line. You know my opinions on their wide receiver group. I'm... uh, I think it's a very immature group of players that we've got there. And that's even with Juju leaving. And then the defence just isn't really a classic Steelers defence that we've seen through the years. So no, I think they'll have a losing record. I see them picking up maybe four or five wins through the season. And a lot of that will just be through Tomlin's coaching. Trubisky, do you think he'll be better or worse than he was at the Bears? He's someone who I just kind of want to see do well. I, I, I don't know why. He, he's, he, he's a kind of unoffensive player. You feel like maybe maybe he never achieved his potential because he was at the Bears. It'll be interesting. There's Kenny Pickens knocking on the door. And I think that if Trubisky doesn't go out and win at least two out of two out of five of the first five games, maybe maybe even three, then the fans will be clamoring for Kenny Pickens pretty early on. And I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do, but it's just what happens. So he's the starter, but I think he's on a very short leash. Okay, nice. And then let's discuss briefly Browns versus Panthers. Obviously, you know, you've shared your thoughts on the Panthers. You think you're quietly up on them, bit of a dark horse. Uh, There's a lot of talk, obviously, as you would expect there to be around this being Baker Mayfield's revenge game. He's tried to play it down a bit. I think there was a story that came out recently about how he said he was going to F the Browns up. He's then come out and said... I didn't say anything like that. Where's your thoughts on this? It's an interesting one. I think that, and I think you'd probably agree with this, Baker Millfield acted quite professionally when he was at the Browns. I think he was very hard done by with what happened there. Yeah, absolutely. There were some games where, yeah, he didn't play great. There were some games where he played great. And the truth of what kind of quarterback he is is somewhere in the middle of all the extremes people talk about from some people saying that you know he was a great quarterback if you give him a chance to some saying he was garbage he's neither I've said this before most quarterbacks he's in that kind of league with your Kirk Cousins with your Derek Cars if you put a good line in front of him they can play proficient football and win you football games and that's where Baker Mayfield sits he was done the dirty a couple of times by both players and the Browns institution there so 
you know, he acted professionally, but I can certainly see him having some internalized ill will towards the franchise and the organization. Whether that comes out, who knows? But like I said, I rate this Panthers team. I think this is a Panthers team which are on the up. Wrong, I'm not getting ahead of myself. I, I'm, I'm not even saying, you know, a big playoff contenders or anything like that. But this is a Panthers team that will go out there and probably at least get to a .500 record through the season. This Browns team are the opposite of that. I think they're an organization in turmoil. They have a quarterback apparent on his 11-game ban. It's always weird when you have those kind of situations. Yeah, I, I, I think that Baker Mayfield will have a good game and I think the Panthers will win. There could be a little bit of me kind of hoping that as well because, you know, we don't really have much to kind of base that on right now. But I don't see any reason why he won't. Listen, I think however much Mayfield plays this down, he is 100% considering this as a revenge game. There's no doubt about it. Like, as you said, I don't think he was treated very well at the Browns. He's then been moved to the Panthers. He's fought off Darnold for the position, which again must give him some confidence. And this is his opportunity here. And I think he can't wait to seize that. I think I'd probably lean with you in terms of how this game might go down. I really want the Panthers to do well here. I don't like how the Browns have handled this. I think they were they were showing real progression last season. And I think they've thrown it all away for what I consider to be a bad gamble. But even aside from that, I just everything around it has not been handled well at all. So I'd love them to get some sort of comeuppance for that. Just a bit of a personal vendetta there. Either way, I'm going to be absolutely glued to this game this week. Isn't it funny how kind of neutral fan opinion about teams can shift so extreme over a couple of seasons? Yeah. Because you, you go back a couple of years and most people kind of had just goodwill towards the Browns because they were just such a joke kind of team for such a long time, had the losing season. Before that, had the season where they only won one game. So like won one of 32 games. They were an unoffensive easy team to beat you felt sorry for their fans you just felt sorry for the whole kind of organization there and and generally people felt good towards the browns and now i'd say that probably most neutral fans just want to see the browns just get beaten because of this whole deshaun watson situation it's amazing how you can have such a just such a kind of switch in a sentiment towards a team in such a short amount of time no, absolutely, completely agree, because I was one of those fans that I really wanted to see the Browns do so well after so much misfortune. And then Baker Mayfield finally takes them to the playoff and then all of this comes out and, yeah, it just left a very sour taste, I think, in a lot of neutral fans. So why don't we finish then, Joe, on the Seahawks and, and Broncos? So this is one where we just talked about Mayfield's revenge game. And I very much feel that this is a revenge game for Mayfield. There's people that are talking about this being a revenge game for Wilson. To me, that feels like a very manufactured narrative. I think that if it was going to be a revenge game for anyone, it would have been a revenge game for Drew Locke. But against what we thought initially, he's not going to be starting and it will be Geno Smith who starts for the Seahawks. Yeah, look, I think Russell Wilson got what he wanted. It wasn't like the team treated him badly. It's kind of ones where you're going back as the the, the favourite to what is now a team that has to be in full kind of rebuild. Why would you see that as a revenge game really at all if you're Russell Wilson? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've, you've said it very succinctly there. I, I mean, I don't know that many people that are putting money on the Seahawks in this game. It It feels like... 
the Broncos looked quite sharp last season. I think the addition of Wilson is only going to add to that. Whereas the Seahawks already looked bad and Wilson was just basically carrying them on their shoulders. Now they've lost him. They're probably going to be a team that's in a bit of freefall this season. Is this kind of the end of an era off of the Seahawks? Because they've kind of had two two eras recently where they've been playoff contenders kind of perennially. There was the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson draft time where he was a you know new player. His first three years had the Legion of Boom all around him. That's when they won Super Bowl playoffs. You know year in year out. Then the Legion of Boom kind of dissipated, but you had Russell Wilson kind of carrying that team, and that's what we've seen over the last kind of three years. Seahawks have been around the playoffs a lot over the last decade or so. Is that coming to an end now? Are they in the wilderness for a few years? I I think they have to be. I don't see a quick way out for them because I don't think they've got a lot of assets that they can use to trade their way out. Um, I think they're going to have to take quite a few L's for a number of years and build through the draft. I think you're right. And it's not like the division is letting up. For whatever you say about Trey Lance, uh, the 49ers still look a strong team all in, all out. Rams obviously just coming off Super Bowl win and the Cardinals always look dangerous. I think we've got a tough few years ahead for the Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joe, we didn't really want to labour this episode too much. It's a brand new season. Nobody really knows anything at this stage. We're really excited. You're a fool to make Prudos. Anyone's a fool to make Prudos. But if you do want to get foolish with us, then we have set up our own season-long predictions league using Superbrew. So we'll put the link for that down in the description of this podcast episode. And also we'll place it on Twitter, which you can search for us at Playsheet Sports. So dive on in, give it a go, take on Joe and I and show me what you got. And Joe, I think all that really leaves us for is just to say, put your feet up, start shotgunning those beers, Get your pre-game on and let's get ready for the brand new season. And get your pre in. <laughs>